Welcome to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg, editor of the Herald Times, along with WFIU, WTIU journalist Lindsay Wright. And today we're going to be re, uh, we're going to revisit two people that we've had, we had back here in May. We had a, an episode where we invited a group of voters into the studio to talk about the approaching primary election. We heard their thoughts on the candidates then. We heard about the campaigns. Of course, the primaries were still going on, and we talked about the media a little bit. Um, two of them are back today, Kurt Young and Brad Whistler, and also Nicole Kiesling is joining us uh, for the first time today to keep talking with voters about the election. So you can join us by calling 812-855-0811 or 1-877-285-9348. You can also join the live chat at wfiu.org slash noon edition. And you can follow us on Twitter at noon edition. So welcome back, everybody. Yeah, welcome. And Nicole, Thank welcome you. to you. Thank you. Yeah, and Lindsay and I didn't host last time either, so welcome to us. Yeah, welcome to us. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right, so I um, I, ha- I did hear the last show, and I, I, I know you guys had a lot of positions on what was happening at that point. It was right after the Indiana primaries, and Ted Cruz had just dropped out. Donald Trump was clearly going to win the nomination. Um, Bernie Sanders was still in. There were a lot of things happening, but... You know, three months later, things have really shaken out. So just first impressions, you know, early thoughts about where we stand right now. And let's start with you, Kurt. Well, uh, I guess where things stand right now is that, uh, you know, obviously we're down to four candidates in the race. And, you know, it's probably going to be one of the two, uh, either Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump. Uh, So, uh, you know, that's where the the major emphasis seems to be. Um, you happy about that? <laughs> well, I'm happy that uh, I'm happy that um, uh, it's narrowed down. I'm happy that we're away from 16 people standing on the stage yelling insults at each other. But uh, you know, at this stage, uh, I I I find it puzzling that the race seems to be tightening. But nonetheless. Uh, that's where we are. Brad? Well, yeah, it's, I think every bit as crazy as we imagined it could be. Um, doesn't look to be getting any more uh, sane as we get closer to Election Day. But uh, I, I think, yeah, it's, it looks like it's going to be tight. Um, surprisingly, uh, uh, I guess it's, it's anybody's race, really. So, you know, Kurt mentioned four candidates for president in the last program, you said, even though, so Brad Whistler is, is, uh, has been a Republican. He was a Republican member of the Bloomington City Council. You said you're planning on voting for the Libertarian Party. Yes, yes. You still? Absolutely. Yeah. No, no, uh, no doubt about it. Okay. Nicole? Um, So actually, I'm pretty excited about the election cycle. Um, To me, there's nothing more exciting than a country coming together and choosing who they want their leader to be. And um, I think that it is going to be a tight race, and I think it's going to be exciting. And um, I'm excited to look at the future of public debate in this country. Now, just a little bit of background on Nicole. So Nicole is a junior at IU, and you told me you've worked for several candidates, right? So Um, About 20 campaigns (laughs) since I was in eighth grade, and I'll be 21 next month. So if that puts it in. experience. Yeah. (laughs) They range from, she said she worked for Richard Luger's last campaign as a freshman in high school? Uh, Yes, I just finished my freshman year. Mm -hmm. And uh, all the way through Marlon Stutzman. Yep, Marlon Stutzman's congressional campaign, and most recently Curtis Hill for attorney general over the summer. Okay. Lindsay? Yeah. Um, I, you, he, Bob just asked you, you know, are you planning to, to vote, Kurt? And you said probably. Well, it's an understatement. Of course I'm going to vote. You know, uh, you know, I, I think in this particular election, at least from my point of view, uh, that, uh, you know, every election there's always been, you know, this is the most important election of our lifetime and all the other usual uh, things that are said during a campaign. This time I kind of believe it. So, oh, yeah, I'll vote. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Brad, um, you said that you're planning to vote um, for Libertarian, and there's been a lot of talk about that, whether that's a good idea or, or not a good idea. Kind of kind of explain your thoughts on, on why you're choosing to do that. Well, my, my thoughts on it are, are really quite simple. I mean, I became a Republican uh, in uh, really 1993, 94, uh, just before the Republican Revolution. And, and at that time, Republicans were articulating uh, a message of uh, free trade and limited government, and that government that's closest to the people governs best, and that's what drew me into 
the Republican Party. And that is not what uh, certainly the Republican nominee is is talking about now. Um, those are the ideas that that the libertarians are espousing now. And it just um, it just uh, it, it just fits uh, with with the way I think government needs to be run. And and so um, uh, it's just kind of a uh, it's an easy choice for me when I hear the message from uh, the libertarians versus the message from uh, the Trump campaign. Mm-hmm. So, Nicole, you you have worked for all these Republicans and I, I assume you're still going to vote for Donald Trump. Yes. OK, so can conv- yes. convince uh, Brad that <laughs> he should he should yeah, not exactly. abandon the party. <laughs> exactly. Um, I think that. Putting Donald Trump's rhetoric aside, which I, I do not agree with, I think that he's made some comments that I would say give him ba- a bad name, and I disagree with all of those. But I think that going down to his beliefs, he does have Republican principles. If you look at his um, opinion on China, his opinion on Second Amendment rights, his opinions on health care, I think that he is a Republican. And I think that if you put his rhetoric aside, you can see that. I also think that his choice for vice president, Mike Pence, also proves that he's a Republican. He chose a conservative Republican to be his VP, not a person that's closer to the left or someone in the middle. He chose a conservative Republican, and he did that for a reason, because he thought that Mike Pence had done a good a good job with Indiana, and he thought that he was someone that he could work with and agree with and run a better country with. Yeah, and Mike Pence coming in, that's something that has changed um, since the last time that you guys came in. Um, what do you guys think about that? That I think that in the last um, the last episode, Brad I think talked about how the internet can be kind of such a source of information or a source of noise, and kind of as things are getting more narrow, um, and you're kind of figuring out who's going to be the main parts of this. Is it more noise? Is, is there more noise Most coming certainly. in, or is it clearing up? I think there's more noise. I mean, particularly when it comes to the the vice presidential candidates. I mean, nobody really knows much about I and mean, we know a lot about Mike Pence because we we live in Indiana but if you you know if you ask the rest of the country all they know are the you know the memes that show up on their Facebook feed and the and the few you know very uh, the most controversial or the most uh, uh, you know glamorous things that you can put out there um, and, and so you don't really get to know those candidates very well at all and I think it's really dangerous to try to you know form an opinion based on what you read in your uh, in your social media feeds um, but if you really want to, uh, as we mentioned last time, you can you can you can find good information, objective information, right? You can right. you can probably find uh, you know the full uh, video of uh, state of the state addresses that Governor Pence has given, and and I'm sure you can find similar things on uh, on Tim Kaine. So uh, you know, my hope is just that people will use the internet to dig a little deeper and not just uh, make form opinions based on you know what comes across their feeds. Kurt, how about your candidate, uh, your candidates in the Democratic Party? So Hillary Clinton picked Tim Kaine uh, as a ticket. How do you, how comfortable do you feel with him? I feel comfortable with him. It's, you know, he's um, he sort of like Mike Pence is, uh, uh, well, probably less of a controversial figure than Mike Pence, at least locally. But, you know, I, I don't have a problem with him. Uh, to me, you know, the, the vice presidential picks are, are interesting, uh, usually made for uh, tactical reasons in a campaign. They're not necessarily made uh, to, 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 I mean, I, I'm not going to be going in there voting for a vice president. You know, vice president is there, uh, um, you know, I understand the reason that the vice president is there, but, but you know, we're voting here for for the leader of the free world. We're not voting for uh, an understudy. Mm-hmm. Let me give you our phone numbers if you want to join our conversation about politics today. We have three three voters in the studio, Kurt Young, Brad Whistler, and Nicole Kiesling. You can join us at 812-855-0811 in Bloomington or 1-877-285-9348. You can also join live chat at WFIU.org slash Noon Edition, and you can even, fo- even follow us on Twitter at Noon Edition. So last time you also, Brad, you, you were not at all excited about the Republicans and Democrats, um, but I think you talked about, you know, Trump was just, he's different. He looked different. Now it seems to me that he's trying to sort of look a little bit more presidential, a little bit more the same. Have you noticed that? Has it changed your mind in any way? Um, no. <laughs> Short answer, no. Um, you know, I think maybe he's, he is 
trying to look a little bit more presidential, but uh, you know he's that, that's no surprise. Um, you know he's 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 an entertainer, and he's uh, he's signaled from the beginning he's going to um, kind of do whatever it takes to stay uh, in the headlines, and um, uh, you know. There's there's really nothing he could do at this point yeah, to, okay. to change my mind. He could, you know, he could uh, he could look as presidential as can be, and it's not gonna it's not gonna change my opinion. And I and I think you know uh, that that's my problem really with with many of his positions too is that uh, I know he's you know he's come out and and and, and has um, you know paid lip service to some uh, conservative uh, ideals, but uh, there, there's no. There's no record there, and the record is conflicting at best. Um, so, you know, on things like Second Amendment rights, I, I mean, how, how do I know how he's going to act as, as president just because he's, you know, saying that now? He's got really no track record on it whatsoever, mm-hmm. and uh, he's, he's proven his willingness to say whatever he want, needs to say in order to uh, win the day. So uh, very difficult to, to uh, you know, to trust uh, any of those positions. Nicole, you want to uh, just from your, your pers- <laughs> I mean, from your perspective, uh, who did you who did you support in the primaries? By the way, in those primaries, I did support Ted Cruz. Ted Cruz. I voted for Ted Cruz. Donald mm-hmm. Trump was not my first choice, or my second choice, mm-hmm. or my third choice. <laughs> um, but now that he's there, um, mm-hmm. I think that it's important that we need need to get behind the Republican nominee. I've actually had the opportunity to meet Donald Trump and mm-hmm. Ted Cruz, mm-hmm. um, and I thought that Donald Trump was very presidential. He was very warming. He we talked for a second. We shook hands. We took a selfie together on stage. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that he would make a very good president of the United States because he is mm-hmm. presidential. I mean, if you look at him, he dresses very well. Mm-hmm. He has a commanding tone. He knows how to engage an audience, which are all things that people admire about Obama. Well, okay, I have to say that we have entered a new era where presidential and selfie go together in a sense. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Kind of amazing. Okay. Uh, so we, the other th- one other thing that you guys talked about last time you were here, and it was Kurt in particular, you were hoping to hear something other than personal insults. That was the way I think you began the program last time. Uh, there are a lot of pressing issues, you said. So do you think we're hearing now about issues more? Have you heard uh, – I mean, what issue do you feel more informed about now than perhaps in May? Well, uh, I feel a little bit better informed uh, with the idea of uh, Donald Trump having no respect for the military as a veteran. Uh, His uh, statement that our uh, generals have been reduced to rubble was very offensive. Uh, I have uh, a little bit uh, more of an idea of what kind of uh, commander-in-chief Donald Trump will be. I listened to that program the other night. Um, having uh, heard him um, try to use a classified briefing for political purposes. Uh, <clears throat> I've heard him uh, comment on uh, the looks of uh, Hillary Clinton. I've heard him comment on the looks of Carly Fiorina. Um, you know, uh, it, this is not an appearance. This is not a beauty contest. This is the pr- choosing the leader of the free world. You know, we've got uh, uh, serious business to attend to, and we've got an individual who's running on the Republican side who essentially, uh, I believe, Brad was right when he said, you know, he'll say whatever's necessary uh, to get elected. If you you watch his positions, they've not been consistent. Um, You know, we've had, uh, I'm going to soften, I'm going to be harder. We've got, you know... I'll go to Mexico and stand next to uh, the Mexican president. We've got, you know, we want to expel everybody. Well, we don't want to expel everybody, just the bad ones, and then we'll see about the other one. You know, it's like whatever he thinks is going to work, he'll say. You know, even to the point of saying such things as, as he, you know, asking whether or not Cruz's dad was involved in the JFK assassination. I mean, what kind of an individual is this? He's a showman, that's true. He dresses nicely, that's true. But that, you know, if all I want is a stuffed suit for a president, I'd vote for him. 
I'm going to give Nicole a chance in a second, yeah. but I want to follow up real quickly because it sounds like, you know, I ask about, you know, the issues and are you hearing more about the issues? And what it sounds like you're saying about about Donald Trump in particular is that you may be hearing more about the issues, but he's there's nothing consistent. So you still don't know where he stands. That's true. OK. Um, well, I just want to go back to the statement that you said. Um, you said that you didn't like the fact that Obama, that, that Trump said that he thought that the generals had been reduced to rubble. I think that what he was saying was that Obama has not allowed them to do their job. He's not allowed them to do their job. My dad has been in the military for 28 years full time, has been deployed all over the Middle East. So I'm a huge supporter of the, of the veterans. I worked casework for veterans when I worked in a congressional office. And I think that um, I think that Obama actually has no respect for veterans. I think that the way that the veterans um, office has been run on, over under his administration has been horrible. The service that they've gotten is horrible. And I think that one thing that Trump definitely stands for is for fixing that and for treating our veterans correctly, the way that they need to be treated. Lindsay? Um, okay, well, we can kind of switch, switch topics. I wanted to go back to Brad talking about... Um, uh, voting for libertarian candidate um, Gary Johnson. Um, one question I have is, do you think that he should be involved in the debates? And some other people can kind of jump in on this. But what do you think about that, Brad? Oh, well, definitely. Um, I, I mean, I think it's 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 not looking good right now because the, the commission on debates set, I think, the threshold at 15 percent. And he's been you know hovering about 10, 12 percent in most of the polls. So unless... Uh, something changes. Uh, it doesn't look like you know, like it will be in the debates, but uh, it, it would certainly change things. I mean, when you when you look at the back and forth between Trump and Clinton, um, as, as is painfully obvious, they're they're not talking about issues. It's it's still just back and forth over uh, really, uh, you know, they're, they're whether one is crazy and one is corrupt, and um, you know that that's all we hear. And we're really not, and, and the, the American people are the ones that suffer here because we don't hear any debate about what is the proper role of government. What should the government be doing in you know in terms of uh, domestic policy, in terms of uh, our, our place in the world, and and that's where the libertarian candidate would bring that to the debates. And, and without him, uh, I don't think we'll hear it. I mean, I think we're just going to hear more of the same, and I think that's uh, I think that's really too bad. So to follow along this line, I've I've heard people say on both sides. So I guess I want to get your opinions that that oh, Gary Johnson, and libertarians are going to take away from Hillary Clinton. Oh no, they're going to take away from Donald Trump. I mean, this is one vote that's probably going away from the Republicans, but. What do you think their impact will be, this 10 or 12 percent? What do you think that impact well, will be? I think that saying that them taking away votes from other candidates is goes against the fundamentals of democracy. They're not Donald's votes. They're not Hillary's votes. So I think that we should allow all four candidates to be in the debate. I completely support that because I think that public debate is important, and I think that having constituents that are informed about all the positions is important. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I think it's kind of silly that we set some threshold based on polling to get into yeah. the debates when, you know, how do you expect to rise in the polls if you're not getting the, the airtime that the other candidates are? I think a, a more reasonable test would just be how many states are you on the ballot in, right? Yeah. We have four candidates that are on the ballot in almost every state, and it seems perfectly reasonable to me to, to have them all debate. I mean, if, I mean they are choices that people are going to have to make. They're going to be on the ballot when they go into the uh, into the polls. They ought to at least have the opportunity to hear from them. Mm -hmm. And for my part, I don't have a problem with including them in the debates. You know, the, I can see, you know, at, at the risk of, of ending up with, you know, any number of uh, sort of fringe individuals, uh, saying that they need to be in the debate, I can see the, the need to have some sort of standard. And it shouldn't necessarily be arbitrary, so I guess that's why they've gone ahead with the poll uh, percentages. But, you know, in this particular case, there are really only four uh, candidates, and you know, I don't have a problem with them being there. Mm -hmm. Well, I think um, Brad's idea of, of the number of states they, they've made on the ballot, because voters from around the country are going to see them anyway, that does make a lot of sense. Excellent. Okay. So is there is there an issue that, that uh, you know, you're really – I mean, what what are the key issues that you're not hearing enough about? I, I know there are, there are a ton of them, but, but you know, Kurt, what's, what's the top issue on your mind as a voter? Well, the top issue on my mind has uh, been, I think uh, – there are two areas, obviously, foreign and domestic policy that, that you have to break things into. And 
You know, foreign policy, um, looking at the problems in the Middle East, uh, you know, it's it's very easy to, to throw around blame. Uh, but I might point out that, and nobody seems to remember this, but the Iraqis would not let us stay. They would not agree to an extension of the status of forces agreement. So regardless of what we wanted, we had to go, unless we wanted to be occupiers. And... Under those circumstances, it certainly did create a problem in that country. You know, I believe that we need to continue what we're doing. I I don't have a problem with uh, advisors being there, special forces to be used in certain instances because that makes our airstrikes more effective. I don't have a problem with trainers being there because obviously the Iraqi army needs to learn something. But. You know, we don't need to go back in with, uh, you know, with the 4th Armored Division. Um, so I think that the American people, uh, and I suffer from this too. I mean, it's you want everything to be done in 30 seconds. You know, it's, I would like to have this program resolved at the end of the hour when it shows up on TV. The real world doesn't work that way. We've got intractable problems. I mean, Macedonians still hate Greeks, and I mean, it's you know for centuries. So we've we, we've got to we've got to you know show a little bit of maturity ourselves as informed voters in dealing with this. We can't, you know, the idea of I would bomb, you know, somebody into oblivion. It just doesn't work unless you don't mind uh, harming children in Aleppo, and so. Uh, and I do. So as a result, you know, it's it's we do need to defeat ISIS. Uh, we do need to contain Russian aggression. Um, but beyond that, you know, uh, the local, the domestic issues that 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 have concerned me actually for quite some time. And I think uh, Hillary Clinton has set out a detailed plan. And even Donald Trump has paid some lip service to it. Is the need to rebuild um, our infrastructure? If we don't have uh, adequate infrastructure, bridges, roads, you know, electrical power grid, the whole nine yards. If we don't have an adequate infrastructure, we can't expect companies to want to invest here. I don't think that the answer is to reduce taxes. I think that the answer is to to penalize companies who move operations overseas and cost us jobs, which is why I have such trouble with the idea of, on the one hand, uh, Donald Trump criticizes China, but on the other hand, you know, his companies owe China, what, $650 million? You know, I, I just have a, a serious trouble with somebody who, on the one hand, does business, says that the Bank of China is a great tenant in one of its buildings, but at the same time, you know, uh, China, we're going to bring them to heel. Well, you know, let's be real about this. That's a nation of over, well, what are we talking about? One and a half billion? I don't know. Billion? <laughs> I've lost track. Well, I don't even know. billion is the number now? Yeah, it's, it's I mean, it's not going to happen. You know, I don't think global warming is a is a, a conspiracy the Chinese hooked up. I mean, it's, it's you know, we need to get away from this kind of, of, you know, bombastic rhetoric and get down to the brass tacks. And I think once we get there, you know, uh, I don't think there's any real question about what the choice would be. All right, we're going to take a short break. Then when we come back, I'm going to go to our other two guests to get their top, their views on the top issues, and they can respond to what you said, Kurt, if they want. Uh, and then we'll veer off in all sorts of different directions. So you're listening to Noon Edition. We'll be right back. This is Noon Edition on WFIU. Production support comes from Smithville Fiber, online at smithville.com, and IU School of Public Health Bloomington, online at publichealth.indiana.edu. WFIU News covers South Central Indiana and the state each day. You can read news throughout the day as it's posted on our website at wfiunews.org. And you can pick up a digest of all the top stories. It's like a newspaper delivered to your inbox each weekday afternoon. 
It's a free and easy way to stay on top of not only the headlines, but also the in-depth audio, video, and print news stories you can't get anywhere else. Subscribe right now at WFIUNews.org. Welcome back to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg along with Lindsay Wright from WFIU and WTIU. And we're talking today about the election. We have some, um, okay, I'm going to call them experts because they're voters. They are, they are experts in voting and they know, what, you know who they want and what they want and the issues that are important to them. So we're talking to Kurt Young, Brad Whistler, and Nicole Kiesling, and they will be going to the, the voting booth uh, in November to cast ballots, or maybe early, I don't know. If you want to join our conversation, 812-855-0811-1-877-285-9348. You can also join the live chat at wfiu.org slash noon edition. You can even uh, get a hold of us on Twitter at noon edition. So I just asked Kurt, we asked Kurt to talk about the biggest issues he thought, the issues that he was paying most attention to. I'm going to turn next to Brad and then Nicole sort of for the same question. Brad? Yeah. Well, on foreign policy, sounds like Kurt maybe wants to come over to the Gary Johnson camp if he, uh, <laughs> based on his uh, opinions there. I mean, Gary Johnson is really the only candidate who's who's t- saying he doesn't support using our military to uh, to affect to, uh, regime change around the world. Um, uh, and I think that's, uh, I think that's refreshing. I I really want to hear more, though. Uh, I want to hear more about health care. I mean, I, we 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 have a, a real real problem uh, on our hands here, and um, you know, premiums are are going up drastically. Um, uh, in, you know, insurers are leaving the exchanges, and uh, Obamacare clearly is not working. And I'm I'm going to gag the next time I hear somebody say repeal and replace Obamacare without saying what they're going to replace it with. Uh, and this is all we hear from uh, from so many candidates. Repeal and replace, repeal and replace. I want to know what, what we're going to replace it with. Uh, you know, and I want to know that we're not going to replace it with something bigger and more intrusive. And <laughs> can, I, can I just ask you, how's that affected you as a small business person? You know, someone who, you know, has employees and... Uh, it's, some- it's, it's outrageous. I mean, our premiums uh, are through the roof. I mean, it, to the point where, you know, most of our uh, employees are, are better off going and finding an individual plan. So um, it, it's, it's been horrific. And we spend uh, an unbelievable amount of time every year in pricing new plans and trying to find a plan that works and and ultimately we we end up you know picking something that nobody's happy with and half of our employees will opt out of uh, and it's it's really miserable so um so yeah i i, I want to hear more about that and um uh, i want to hear more uh, about tax policy it's really disappointing to me that we're not hearing more about uh, about tax policy uh, we still have an outrageous tax code it, we we hear all this about um you know, what we're going to do to keep jobs here, well, we need to do something about the thing that's driving jobs away in the first place, with it, which, is our, which is our corporate income, income tax structure and our, and our regulatory structure that, that's driving them away in the first place. Um, it, it, it's, it's crazy to me that all we hear is what we're going to do to penalize them for leaving, and nobody's addressing uh, the issues that are driving them away in the first place. All right. Nicole. So, Nicole? Yeah. Um, so the issue that I want to hear... More about from Hillary Clinton is her foreign policy. I know that she was Secretary of State and um, First Lady, and she has a, a lot of quote-unquote experience in that area. But I want to hear more about her plans, um, how she's going to deal with Russia, how she's going to deal with ISIS, because as far as I'm concerned, she doesn't really have a good track record, and I want her to lay out a very specific plan about what her methods of doing this would be. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I agree with Brad. I think that um, as a Republican, um, like the the words to get into the secret clubhouse are repeal Obamacare. Um, and I think that we can't just say that. While I agree with it, we need to um, figure out something else that'll work for us because I think that um, the United States being ranked number 44 in healthcare efficiency in the world is ridiculous because we could do so much better than that. Um, and I think that the tax code is something else that should definitely be addressed. Um, one of the things I loved about Ted Cruz was him saying that we should simplify it to a postcard that you can just send in. Um, well, I think that it obviously wouldn't just be a postcard. Um, I think that um, for the average American, I've never done my taxes. My mom does them for me. But <laughs> yeah. um, I, 
I can't even imagine having to go through that and doing that. Um, so I think that we need to simplify it for all Americans because it's just horrible to do. It's one of the, I think one of the like the least looked forward days of the year was tax day. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, so from what you guys are saying, I'm assuming, and from what I'm picking up is that maybe your candidates of choice aren't talking about these topics enough. These ones that you're you're kind of mentioning to us is that is that what kind of what you're saying? You mentioned Hillary Clinton, um, but I don't know how you feel about Donald Trump. I think that I would like to see more specificity from Donald Trump. Um, you know, he says that he's going to combat Russian aggression, um, and I believe him. I think that he could, but I want a little more detailed plan. Um, he just started getting his um, classified briefings a couple weeks ago, so I think that that has opened the door um, for him to get um, some more perspective on it, and I think that's why we haven't heard as much from him about it, because he doesn't really have that total insight yet. So I think that in the coming weeks we'll definitely hear a lot more about it. All right, we have our first phone call of the day, so let's go to James from Bloomington. James? Uh, yeah, hi. I, um, well, I had a question. I heard one of the guests mention health care and small business, and I've always wondered why it seemed that small business was against a universal government health care because it seems like it would simplify things um, and also maybe make it cheaper to just pay it as part of tax instead of having to deal with private insurance companies, and I'm wondering you know, from his perspective, what might be the problem there or why we, why small business owners don't seem to get behind universal health care. Yeah, well, I mean, I think there's a couple of reasons. The, the first reason would just be choice, right? As an employer, we want to offer a benefits package that's going to be attractive to uh, talented employees, and it's going to be a reason they're going to come choose to work for us. And if everyone gets the, the same package, no matter where you work, then we lose that as advantage. Um, it, you know, it, it very well may be simpler to have, uh, you know, to just take that off the, the table. As a business owner, uh, that doesn't offend me. But as a, uh, as, a, as a citizen, that offends me. I mean, I think, we, I think we, we see that when you have no competition in things, that the price goes up and the quality goes down. So the idea of a universal single-payer system, um, I'm opposed to not as a business owner, but as somebody who understands that competition is the best way to get uh, the, the best product at the, at the best price. Do you not believe there's any way for the private insurance sector to create their own new niche for premium insurance packages and still be part of the game? Uh, maybe. Uh, it could be possible. And I, I, I think to, to a certain degree, um, uh, that was something that Obamacare wanted to do, right? You, if you offer a certain uh, level of uh, package that's above um, the, the the baseline, then you're you can be exempt from the uh, the tax. Um, clearly, that's not working though. What what happens is that um, you know all the, the the premiums are rising to the point where um, the the choices are gone, and and because. Um, because of the uh, regulations on the insurers, they're they're opting out and, and choices are disappearing. I, I think it's yeah. it's just a little bit uh, naive to think that we can have the government be this involved in things and still have the same level of choice. I mean, we, how many times did we hear the Democrats and Obama say that you're going to be able to keep the plan you have today? And what they meant was the government's not going to force you to move plan. But what they didn't know or what they were too blind to see was that your plan may not exist because your your insurer may not offer that plan anymore. And, and you well, know, people in the know knew that was going to happen. means that eliminating that problem with just having a – well, anyway, apparently, I, I don't understand how it makes anything cheaper or easier to, to not have a single parent. And then my comment at the tail end um, – regarding Donald Trump is just that his behavior is absolutely disgraceful and has embarrassed our entire nation. And I'm a little bit upset with the media for ever giving him a platform to pretend that he's a legitimate candidate. And, uh, man, I just, our forefathers would not have approved. All right. Would our members of the media like to respond? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Thank you, James. Thanks, James. Uh, thanks, James. You know, you know I've, res I've responded at forums and I've responded in print, and I, I'm surprised by what's happened with Donald Trump because as a member of the media, I, I thought, I still think it's important to allow him 
a forum. He was, he was a legitimate uh, yeah. candidate. He is a legitimate candidate yeah. to allow him a forum. And, and I just I didn't see that people honestly a lot of things that he said. I, and I, I'm on the record. I've written some columns that have been pretty negative toward Donald Trump because I thought he said some very, very outrageous things. And I don't think hiding those outrageous things, I think giving them a forum so more people know what he's saying is the way to go. Sure. Um, And speaking of outrageous things, question for Nicole from Scott on Twitter. Do you agree with critics that Trump has been disrespectful towards women? And I'm sure our other guests can jump in as well. But you are a woman, so. Yeah, so you. (laughs) I I am a woman. you know, that's a hard one. I think that all candidates say things that they probably regret. Um, and I think that, you know, that's it's a really hard one. I, like I said before, I don't agree with all of the things that he said. I think that he said some terrible things out there. Um, um, and I think that he does not represent my personal views on a lot of subjects because there's no candidate that does. Um, there's no candidate that fits all of our views 100%. And so while I don't stand behind some of the things he said, I, I do stand behind his views. And I think that he is the best person to be president of the United States. Do you stand behind his comments on women, though? I just said I don't, I don't stand behind everything he said, so I do not. Okay. Do you guys want to respond at all? I think he's been tremendously disrespectful to women. I think that, that the the... The bottom line, looking at, at the way that, that he is approaching, that's why I mentioned that Carly Fiorina thing and, and uh, you know, his comment on, on, on Hillary not looking uh, presidential, all these sorts of things. I mean, those are the kind of things, I mean, leaving aside the second grade nature of them, those are the kind of things that, you know, I doubt very much he would be talking about if it were, you know, if he were running against, you know, another man. I just, you know, the idea that if if you've been sexually harassed at work, well, your your option then obviously you just need to leave your job. Apparently, you don't need your job if you're a woman. A woman. Um, then uh, the idea that what do you expect if if you mix men and women in the uh, armed forces? Well, of course you're going to have uh, sexual assaults. I mean, what do you you know? Overlooking the fact that more men are sexually assaulted in the service than women are. But you know, the, it, it's it's just, if you look at the grand arc of his statements, the overarching theme, I don't think he's got any respect for not only women but for anybody but Donald Trump. And I think his sole goal here is not necessarily to help the country, but simply to win. You know, and it's going to be another boost for his ego. And with regard to the media, if we could come back to that sure. just quickly. <laughs> You know, I appreciate the idea that everybody needs to have a forum. I mean, you've, after all, WTIU's invited, you know, us over here to do this. We've got a forum. But I would hope that at some point the media returns to the idea of not just he said, she said. I would like to hear he said, but, you know, it's a lie. Mm -hmm. Or he said it's inaccurate. Or, you know, she said, you know, it, 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 I mean, call people on these things, fact check on these things. I don't care to hear that, you know, uh, still, what, 40% of Republicans think that Obama was born in Kenya or is a Muslim or anything like this. I mean, fact check this stuff, that kind of stuff, constant repetition. If people, you know, don't do investigation on their own, a lot of people just don't have the time or the interest to follow things that closely. Constant repetition makes things become facts that aren't. You know, we've got a situation where where I believe the media has been derelict in their duty. Fair point. Thank you. Yeah, um, I just want to resp- respond. Yeah, I wanted to respond to that quickly. You just criticized Donald Trump for saying that Hillary Clinton doesn't look presidential, but it's been said many times that that Donald Trump doesn't look presidential. So why is it okay for him not to? Why is it not okay for him to say that? But it's okay for people to say that about him. So it's it's not one, a one sided issue. Well, first of all, I didn't say it. No, I, I didn't. I, would be I didn't curious say did as to who did. Many people say that he does not look presidential. Is that because of his appearance or is that because of his position? Because of his appearance. Uh, I haven't heard that, honestly. All right, we're going to go to the phones. And uh, Deborah's on the phone. Deborah from Ellettsville. Go ahead. Hi. Um, my comment is that everything you all have said about against Trump really also applies against 
Hillary. All the the things you've said against him are exactly the same things that would apply against her. And another comment I want to make is this, that uh, on YouTube you can find this. I don't know exactly how to tell you how to find it. But everything that Trump is saying now, Hillary said a few years ago. So in this YouTube, you see her saying these exact same things that he's saying now. So she was taking the same stand he's taking Could about we have an all example? the issues. Mm-hmm. Except the women's issue. Yeah, except that. But could we have an example? Okay, uh, the border. Um, the build Watching, up. not allowing immigrants to come in without being legal, of course. And, um, boy, I can't think of all of them. Um, uh, being more, um, more boosting up our military, doing whatever is necessary in distant countries to to stop what's going on, you know, to take part in that. You know, all of those kind of things. The same stance that he's taking, exactly, she, she took. Yeah, I, and I, and uh, she's, I don't trust her. All right, we're going to... I do trust him because I think that she is part of the elite. I think she's part of the 1%. I think that uh, they have a plan and that she's part of that. I don't think he is. Uh, so I feel safer with if, if I may, you know, I appreciate that you describe uh, her as part of the elite. And certainly she's been part of uh, the political arena for quite some time, ever since the Watergate days when she was served as counsel uh, to the, uh, I believe, the Senate um, what could have been the house I don't remember but you know um, if, number one if if their positions are the same and and you don't trust her then I guess it's curious why you would trust Trump number two uh, the idea that that Trump is not part of the elite is is uh, it's it's almost laughable and the, not no reflection on you but you know, I, the best description I heard of him was somebody who was born on third base and runs around acting like he hit a triple. You know, we've got a situation where an individual, uh, you know, is, is trying to, to portray himself as a friend to the common man, to the working man, to the, the people of color, all this stuff. Uh, you know, he's got no clue. He's never been there. He never will be there. Um, you know. He's, he doesn't pay his bills to the common man, to the working man. He doesn't. He, he, how can you go bankrupt owning a gambling casino within shouting distance of New York City? But he did, and thousands of people lost their jobs. Carry you know. on. Let me let me, well, yeah. let, let, me cut, let me cut off this discuss, Let me cut off this argument between about Hillary and, and Donald Trump at this yeah. point because I want to I want to turn to Brad in the middle who's sitting in the middle here and sort of get your reaction to this. Are these two people the same? Well, truly more similar than I think we've seen in a long time between major party candidates. I I used to hate hearing people say that, oh, they're all the same. Uh, and this time they truly are uh, in, in many ways. I mean, their trade policy is, is virtually identical. Uh, their foreign policy is, is virtually identical. Uh, and what you're hearing from both candidates is um, government can solve all of your problems as long as you put me in charge of it. And, and that's why I'm so desperate for more people to hear uh, from the libertarians, because uh, they're saying government isn't the answer to all your problems and, and we know this from uh from from our history uh so it, uh, i really would like to hear um more people talking about the the proper role of government um and i would i would just say uh i don't trust either one of them i mean uh and and i and i'll i'll, I'll i guess to to take a little bit of exception to to kurt's uh point about trump and this is not to defend trump but I actually think Trump is not – I mean, he certainly is part of the, uh, uh, the the wealthy elite, but he is not part of the political elite. And I think in many ways that's what has driven this campaign. It is, it is the one club he's been left out of in his life, and I think he's desperate to get in. And there are some really great articles you can read on, on, on this where um, he was sort of snubbed at the uh, – 
a correspondence dinner uh, a few years ago, and that, many people believe, was what sparked his interest in, in running for president this time, that he was just uh, would not would not allow himself to be left out of uh, of that elite and, and, and was going to crash the party uh, one way or another. Uh, and I, and that, that rings true to me, everything that I see from the campaign. Um, but I do think uh, we should spend a little bit more time talking about Hillary Clinton. I mean, we've, 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 we've sat here for how long without really talking about her? And, she, you know, she's not trustworthy on any of these issues either. And her positions have changed at least as much as, uh, as Trump's have. Uh, she's just had a little more time uh, and a little more public stage on which to, to, to change her opinions. Um, there, there, there's no reason uh, to believe either one of them. Nicole, quick reaction before we get to a few yeah, more, a few more definitely. questions. Um, I don't trust Hillary Clinton either. Um, besides the stereotypical examples of the emails in Benghazi, I think that she switched her positions on the Defense of Marriage Act. She switched her positions on TTP and NAFTA. Um, I think that people criticize Trump all the time for switching his positions when Hillary Clinton has done it probably more than he has. Okay, Lindsay? Um, yeah, so we're talking about how crazy the um, election has been at a national level, but it's been pretty crazy at the state <laughs> level. Um, so we have uh, Lieutenant Governor Eric Holcomb running for governor. He has no elected experience. Um, and then we have Evan Bayh coming in, running against um, Todd Young. What are some of your thoughts on this whirlwind roller coaster um, that has been the state level um uh, elections. Yeah, um, I think my first my first impression um, of that statement is just the Senate race. Um, I think that that is what has really taken people by surprise. Um, there was always a possibility that um, Pence could be chosen as the VP, but I did not see by coming back. That was a surprise, and I think that honestly, it's offensive to me as a Hoosier to think that he can just come back and waltz into the Senate seat because he thinks that he deserves it. Well, it was definitely, a, a, I mean, a, you saw some real insider politics, elite uh, yeah. politics going on there. Um, they, it, was, it was clear that Baron Hill was, was getting trounced he, in, in the fundraising. There was no other reason other than that, that the party just decided that it doesn't matter who the people elect in the primary, we're going to come in and uh, put somebody else who we think has a better chance of winning. I think, that's, uh, I think it's ludicrous. Uh, I think it's probably going to backfire. I mean, in in this, I mean, the one thing that you can, I think, take from this whole political season is that there's a real distrust of that, uh, of the establishment, if you will. Um, and Evan Bayh is nothing if he's not, you know, part of the establishment. Uh, I mean, clearly he's got almost universal name recognition and he was popular. Um, but uh, in this year, uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens. I think that, that it could backfire. Um, I will say... You know, at the state level, the only reason that I'm not standing up and declaring myself a, a, a big L libertarian uh, and, and card-carrying libertarian is that um, at the state level, both Todd Young and Aaron Colcomb are, are people I know, friends of mine that I've known for, for years, and I think are both uh, just outstanding people, and I think will do a great job, and, I, and I'm happy to support both of them. Um, uh, I, I think the, the whole shakeup was was crazy um but i think um i think it you know at least i can't speak for the democrats but you know for, for the people that i know i'm, I'm kind of happy with the way that it played out i think uh i'm a lot more comfortable getting excited i can get more excited about eric holcomb than i would have even about mike pence so i think uh, in that in that sense it will play out uh well for the republicans before i turn to kurt i want to ask because eric holcomb is an interesting candidate in that he hasn't run for elective office, but he is kind of the ultimate insider when it comes to Republican politics in the state of Indiana. And you're, you're talking about Evan Bayh being an insider, but Eric Holcomb truly is. So, so Brad, how do you sort of, um, I don't know, level that issue? I mean, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I, I, I think people put way too much stock in elected experience. I've never been one who believes that, you know, having... Uh, you know, been in office before is is necessarily a, an advantage. In many cases, I think it's a it's it it, it means that change is less likely. Uh, and if you want change, you probably want to vote for candidates who haven't been elected before. There's a certain uh, you know institutional inertia uh, that that comes with um, incumbents. Um, yeah, Eric Holcomb has been involved in, in politics a very very long time, and I think uh, when you saw the way that that selection came down, it was between him and, and two sitting members of Congress, right, really what it came down to. 
Um, but I think what happened there was that the state committee, those people knew Eric and had seen him in action um, as, you know, as an advisor, as a, as a policy advisor, as a you know, state chairman, as a, somebody who's managed a large organization. And they saw a guy who knows how to run an organization, uh, who knows how to bring people together and, and get things done. And I think that's why ultimately he, he became the nominee. I want to turn to Kurt for the last minute. State state election. Um, state elections. I don't see any uh, difference between uh, the party choosing by and the party choosing Holcomb. Uh, to me, you know, that's what parties do. There is a difference in gov- between governing and running an election. And you know, it, it the polls are nice, uh, campaigns are nice, ads are nice, campaign color schemes are all nice. But once it's all done, you got to be able to govern. And we need people who uh, are familiar with, with Indiana. I, I, one of the races that hadn't been mentioned is, is uh, Shelley Yoder. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we've had a guy move here from Tennessee, of all things, uh, to run against uh, uh, a native-born Hoosier for, you know, Congress. So, you know... I just say that there, the one <laughs> obvious quickly. difference between Very the quickly. Republicans and the Democrats is that the Republicans had to fill a vacancy because Mike Pence was running for vice president. The Democrats chose to, to swap out the candidates. Well, actually, they had to fill a vacancy. Ten seconds. Okay, I just want to jump in really Ten quickly seconds. and say Ten seconds. I think that Trey is the perfect guy for the 9th District. I know him, and he's created jobs here, and I think that he's the best person to represent us All right, in we're Congress. done. We are out of time. I want, <laughs> I want to thank Drew Dodlin, our our uh, producer today, Mike Pashkash, our engineer, and Lindsay Wright for joining me as co-host. I'm Bob Zalsberg. Thanks a lot. Noon Edition is a production of WFIU and the Herald Times. A podcast of this and other WFIU programs is available at WFIU.org. Production support comes from School of Public Health Bloomington. Public Health Reimagined, addressing 21st century health challenges with a multidisciplinary approach to disease prevention, health promotion, and enhancing quality of life. Publichealth.indiana.edu. And Smithville Fiber, the Gigacity Company. Fiber Internet, HD, and digital IPTV in Southern Indiana. More information at smithville.com.